this is the Scummy Mummies podcast. Hello and welcome to the Scummy Mummies podcast. It's me, Helen Thorne. And it's me, Ellie Gibson. And tonight we're joined by Rebecca Schiller. Hello. Hi. 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 It's Rebecca Schiller. Yeah. So, should I introduce you without doing a Michael Jackson song? No, I think you should do... The All of the whole introduction. Rebecca writes about birth, parenting, and women's rights. She is the director, sorry, chief executive of birth rights. Update that Wikipedia entry, Rebecca. And human rights in childbirth charity. And she is also a doula. A doula! Now, for anyone who doesn't know what a doula is, because I didn't know until, well, probably about a year ago, <laughs> what is a doula, Rebecca? I always really hate this question because I feel I explain it very badly, but um, it's like your expert friend who has been around the block a bit, um, who... Bit of a slag. Bit of a slag. Seen a lot of fannies. A birth slag. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They should call it that. I like that. Mm. Uh, So you've, you know, you're having a baby, you've got no idea what's happening, but there's someone you can ring, someone who's just there for you and who's going to show up when you go into labour, mm-hmm. stay there with you the whole time, however many midwives you get through, when you're at home, when you go into hospital, when your partner's being sick or has got a bad back. Or, or crying because you can't cope. Or just needs to go to the toilet. Yeah. Um, and then comes back afterwards when you're looking at the baby going, oh my God, what do I do now? You've got an iPhone fully charged with the photos. You're on it. Yeah. Absolutely on it. Emotional, practical support, the whole thing. Just like a friend who doesn't tell you what to do. Perfect. Yeah. I, I want a life doula. I just think I just, yeah. Yeah. Just someone sitting in my house just going, oh, you should probably take the bin out, you know, or, you know, don't forget to return that phone call. It'd probably more like, how do you feel about taking the bin out? Oh, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing a great job yeah, on that bin. Yeah. Keep going, you can you do this. Yeah, does anyone care about the bin? Do you want to take that bin out or are you feeling pressured to take the bin out? Um, I'll take a photo of that bin yeah. for you. Shall I take the bin out for you while you have a nap? Oh, wow, I want a life doula. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> come on. You need now, to branch out, you know, like doulas are us. Well, there are death doulas. What? Oh, what? And so so it's, it's an American thing, but they're, they're, the sort of doula concept has, has taken off, particularly in America. So the idea that there's someone around for you and your family when you're dying as well as mm. when you're giving birth is a pretty cool thing. And that yeah, there's abortion doulas go with you to oh. your abortion, particularly in America where it's not so nice. Not so nice going through all the crowds of protesters. This sounds really lovely, like like emotional huggers, like really lovely people who're gonna yeah that you pay obviously that you pay <laughs> yeah you pay them to hug you yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I want like a row doula as well. So if yeah. I'm having a row with my husband, just someone will come around and sit in the room and go, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think you're, yes, mm. I think you're right. Would you do that for money? I would. I anything, for anything, anything for money. Anything for money. Excellent. Um, but you've also written a book, Rebecca. Tell us about your book. I have written a book. So um, it's called Why Human Rights in Childbirth Matter. She says reading it off the cover. What is my book? What is my book? Uh, It's all about a birth around the world um, from a kind of women's rights perspective. So it's what happens when women 
aren't afforded the same rights as they were before they were pregnant, like uh, autonomy over their own bodies. Um, And it looks at birth anywhere from here in the UK to Australia, Tanzania, um, and tries to present a bit of a, I don't know, political and feminist argument about why maybe women should be treated like the rational human beings they were before they were pregnant during pregnancy and why maybe that doesn't happen now. Yeah. Is that, does that sound like a summary of the book? You've yes, read it, I but think. I feel like you should be shouting it, Rebecca, because it feels okay. like, is it, is it all in capital letters? It's, it's, a, it's essentially 50,000 words of angry feminist ranting. I suppose that I, as a doula, witnessed some stuff that I felt was really unacceptable and got to hear women had had all different kinds of experiences of giving birth um, and have wanted loads of different things. But whatever they wanted and whatever their experience, a lot of them felt judged. A lot of them found it difficult to get what they wanted, whether it was a home birth or an elective caesarean. And a lot of them felt they were treated unkindly or they weren't listened to or they didn't have their choices respected. And looking at the kind of extreme end of the spectrum some people felt that lots of things were being done to them while they were kind of saying no um and i wanted to look at that and think why that happens and the kind of pressure that's put on women the pressure that's on our healthcare systems and why women aren't valued in this thing that at some point most of them in their lives become pregnant and at that point it seems that the essential humanity is forgotten and they become baby carrying vessels mm. um and that that's pretty bad um and that's not ideal is it it's not ideal no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to be your, your doula what do you think about that rebecca how do you feel about that well it kind of it makes me a bit sad and cross um because i think there's one of the things that, that i talk about in the book is that there's an idea that birth is just one day and that a healthy baby is all that matters that's a really common phrase i mean a birth is just one day unless you have a really long labour in which case it's like five really long Mm. days um but a woman is often thinking like she just wants to get a healthy baby out at the end of it i feel like everyone else should have her back she's worrying about the baby like maybe everyone else should care about the woman and saying that a healthy baby is all that matters basically says you don't matter Mm. so don't whine about it don't tell me about your episiotomy or you know, that time limit. You're at 12, nice 12 hours of pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because you've got the healthy baby, so just, you know, shut up and move on. And yeah. yeah, and I think one of the things, and I went to your book launch, and one of the things, it's not just 12 hours or it's not just 24 hours, because if you undergo trauma in your childbirth, then that is a long-lasting impact hmm. and you know oh, but obviously i would say for some people yeah, yeah. no if you accept yeah if you experience something. my my thing my, th- my worry is that people they because it is giving birth is as far as i know such an intense experience mm. such a major life experience such a f- crazy physical thing yeah. to go through and a mental and emotional thing and so it's hard not to kind of project your own experience of birth yeah. onto someone else and kind of say you know i remember a friend of mine recently i didn't actually know at the time she was pregnant but she posted a thing on Facebook, an article in an American publication, and it was all about how um, childbirth is awful and people are treated awfully in hospitals and it's all a disaster and all these women are getting ripped from, you know, yeah. six to midnight and it's all, it's all a complete disaster. And I remember her posting it and writing a thing about how frightening it was. And I remember thinking to myself yeah. in my head, she's pregnant. And it turns out she yeah. was. And yeah. obviously I'm like Darren Brown. But... <laughs> 
Uh, Ooh, also, that do you do, really? Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of wrote on the thing, I said, look, you know, yes, some birth experiences are really terrible and really painful and take a long time to get over, but some aren't so bad and are over, like, quicker mm. and people recover from them fine. And I can't tell you what your experience is going to be like, but it might be all right. It might yeah. be right. I agree with you. And I don't think that's helpful at all. And um, I definitely haven't written this book as something that should be like given to pregnant, <laughs> pregnant <laughs> women and in fact have restricted it. Uh, you know, certain of my friends who are pregnant with their first babies. Has it got a warning on like a fag packet? <laughs> I, feel, I feel like maybe it should have a little, it's got a picture of a, a bump on the front. Maybe we need a little, you know. <laughs> yeah you can focus on the kind of terrible things that happen in birth and um, I actually had really positive experience of giving birth I've come to this from a place of having had like totally awesome experiences of giving birth and seeing other women have totally awesome experiences of giving birth or just absolutely fine and really straightforward so I know that it can happen I also know that it's not necessarily to do with how you give birth whether you're at home or whether you have a cesarean it's generally about everybody around you being nice to you Mm. and caring about you and making you feel like you're involved and that for me is the idea behind trying to improve birth it's not about saying more women need to have um, home births less women need to have cesareans or these are the terrible things that are happening to women it's like it can be good for lots more people if we just ensure that the woman is genuinely being listened to Mm. and is having some control over the experience and um, and that's backed up by loads of really good research actually so women who have classically traumatic births the kind of scary scenarios you know suddenly having to have a crash cesarean section if they feel like they've got someone with them mm. and they feel they were treated well and they knew what was happening to them they're much less likely to be traumatized than someone who had a very straightforward mm. birth but felt like they were, they were alone. It is a it's a balance. It's a balance trying to make change happen without frightening women. Mm. Um, and I think for me, that's just about focusing on making the system support the individual women rather than campaign for any kind of particular like believe home birth is the way forward. Or yeah, with my second baby, he was two months early, so I had an emergency cesarean. But like you're saying there, it wasn't actually traumatic, which sounds weird, but. Mm. Everyone around me was very calm and they taught me through what was happening. But yeah, so the birth, the the after it was very traumatic. Having a baby in hospital was horrendous. But the actual birth, I have like weirdly sort of not positive, but I have okay memories with compared to the Because you were communicated with and you felt that it was, even though it was sort of out of control, there was, you had everything you needed for everything to be okay. Yeah, you know, and actually having having given birth in a very painful, no drugs, back-to-back way before... um, for someone to kind of go, well, I'm afraid we're going to have to uh, make this pain stop now by giving you a massive injection and not letting you push anymore. I was like, oh, God damn it. What a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> morphine, morphine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when you're like a, a person, maybe even particularly a man who's never been at a birth before and doesn't know mm. what's going to happen. You'd only seen my vagina twice up to well, then. Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, that's one of the reasons people end up bringing a doula in, actually, is they just want someone else who's been there more than once before, mm. that that would be reassuring to them, that they've met before and that's been there before. It's like having that friend who's done lots of pills when you're in... <laughs> <laughs> no, this is it. No, this is the bit where you... No, just feel your legs. Yeah. Woo! 
You're going to start shaking uncontrollably. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but just feel the music, feel the music. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot like transitioning labour. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I had two babies at home in my lounge in Blartpools, really it was very, very straightforward. And I, I feel like my whole life has been one big chaotic mess. But those two days of my entire life, yeah. everything went really beautifully. And I kind of go, well, that, <laughs> that, that's the hand I was dealt. Yeah. Like, I was, I was really lucky. And my births, I can only describe as lovely. My midwives were supportive. Um, yeah, it was, it was gorgeous. And I could not have done that in Australia where mm. I was born. Yeah. Because um, it's illegal there, is it, to have home birth? It's a really, there. it's very difficult. You have to pay, yeah. yeah. And there's been really, there's with home birth in Australia, there's been issues with insurance. So basically mm. you have to have an independent midwife. And there's a big, as far as I can see, quite private obstetric lobby that's not very keen on midwifery. Yeah. And so they've been trying to block... Um, Australian midwives insurance and every couple of years they're about to have their insurance withdrawn and then there's a sudden last minute reprieve Mm. but it's been going on for a long time it's really difficult to access yeah and so therefore it becomes a middle class thing Mm. because you're paying between five and ten thousand dollars to get a midwife and so unless you do free birthing which obviously that's at yeah. your own yeah. risk or whatever, your own choice. Um, so, But is it your own choice if you haven't... Like, that's one of the things with rebirthing. Is it your own choice if you've got an option that you don't feel safe with, which is going to hospital, but mm. you can't have a so baby it's free, Sorry, it's rebirthing, just doing it like off the books, just like... By yourself. Right? Yeah. You and, you know, your partner and that's it. Maybe the dog. Maybe yeah. the dog. And some people do that as like a really... Like they, that's what they want to do. I've met loads of people who, and spoken to loads of people who just really believe that unless something is going wrong, they want to be by themselves and they feel really comfortable with that. But I've also spoken to quite a few people and I'm on some groups online where women feel forced into that because, yeah, they're mm. the option that they want. Look, I've met a lot of people who cut their own hair. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) We've all seen them. (laughs) Or not washed their hair. You know, like... (laughs) 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 Lovely stuff. Anyway, but I think... um, Yeah, I feel very, very lucky I had those births. But again, I'm I'm very pragmatic. And I always kind of go, well, I was one day in parenthood. And the rest has been, you know, Mm. slightly less. (laughs) You know, candles. And I, I felt supported. And also, my husband had read... A couple of books on home births beforehand and I felt that he understood the mm. process. I had that kind of lovely support network. Yeah. And of course your husband was, he was just such a rock for you, wasn't oh. he, during that process? What was, I... what was the best thing you said to you, Helen, during that <laughs> labour? So my first labour, so I started labouring about, I don't know, about nine o'clock at night, my waters broke, really started, the contractions started going for about 11. I think it was about 3 a.m. when Will turned to me and said, look, I'm just really tired. I'm really, you know, I go, really? And then he said, yeah, but, you know, I've done a full day's work. And I was like, <laughs> you, you will lose some of your genitalia tonight, my friend. Uh. Did you let him go back to sleep? No, 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 because I was, you know, having attractions every two minutes and going through fanny pain hell. Yeah. If people are thinking about being doulas, like what kind of, you know, it sounds like you need... Do you need do you need like a qualification? Can, can anyone be a doula? You could be a, you decide you're a doula tomorrow if you like. Mate. <laughs> no business idea. The scummy doulas. 
God, it would be great. Yeah, brilliant. If it's not coming out, you know, maybe stick a pepper army up there, tempt it out. Because <laughs> I, rem- I do remember that when in my NCT, they kept they at one point she was like, um, "Now it's a good idea to take lots of snacks to the hospital, or as we like to call them, labour canapes." And I was like, "What the fuck is a labour canapé? Like, like, yeah, do you? What is that? What a is volivant for your vulva? Yeah." <laughs> And again, like I was I was in labour for twelve hours, and I was throwing up for quite a lot of that. If someone had offered me a fucking volleyball, mm. I would have, you know, apart from the fact they <laughs> look the like vaginas, um, which doesn't help. I mean, how many people can you have at a birth? I mean, you know, I had one slightly incompetent husband, and that felt like a lot yeah. of work. What's max capacity? You know, I mean, generally you want less people there. Yeah. Um, Particularly if you, I think, particularly if you are in a pool, because everyone sort of gathers around the side. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to feel like you're at Centre Park. Or like, or playing, what's that, like Lucky Ducks? Everyone's just like, <laughs> Yeah, it's l- less nice, the stuff that's floating in the first floor oh, than God. Oh, no. You regretted having those lamb shanks, didn't oh, you? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> The little sieve. Yeah, the little sieve. The little sieve. I'm so glad I was on all fours facing my husband and not the other way around. Yeah, that's that's what got you into this mess, of course. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) In and out. That's right. (laughs) But yeah, what what what's the maximum you've had? Like, is it? I think I think my role is often to like make everybody, including myself, like the shepherd go away. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to say like organize a game of Monopoly or something. (laughs) Keep everybody entertained. But in the other room, maybe. Right, right. So one of the things we talk about is that maybe if there's going to be lots of people coming or they're going to, you know, you might call the midwives early, maybe have a nice, you know, a room with some biscuits and kettle and all that kind of stuff. And if if your mother-in-law wants to pop around, have a a room that you're not going to be in where everyone's encouraged to go. Mm. And I've spent quite a lot of time at births, like hiding in the corner behind the sofa so that Mm. I'm there, but I'm not in anyone's face and yeah that's because I had my mum at my first birth yeah. and yeah she was like she when when it was actually sort of coming yeah. out she hung back and stuff because she yeah. kind of didn't she wanted it to be a moment for me and my husband yeah. and I didn't give a shit so I was just like <laughs> come on <laughs> that could be a crowd of people yeah, yeah. honestly I could have been at the fucking O2 supporting One Direction <laughs> I did not care but um, yeah I think the most people that has ever been at a birth I've been at is my daughter's birth right so um because uh, we ended up with two crews of paramedics there oh well oh, so um we were planning to so was this a home this, yeah yeah so we were planning to have her at home and it's all going fine so like in early labor i'm in the bath thinking about calling the midwives maybe a game of monopoly but it's all very yeah. you know chilled out and then um suddenly i started pushing oh um, uh, it was all quite quick and um i said to my husband call the ambulance because that's what i'd heard you had to do if you started pushing before you'd in fact even called the midwives he thought i was having a sort of freak out about the home birth and didn't call it so left the room called the midwives didn't call the ambulance i got myself out of the bath amazing completely naked on all fours because i'd heard that if you put your bum in the air if it's a position that, which is true, stops the baby the pushing, coming yeah. out because right. it's anti-gravity. So I'm on this bath mat on all fours. Jared comes back in, my husband. It's like, did you call the ambulance? That's the pushing noise. Yeah, uh, yeah that's not the noise I make, my friends. <laughs> it got louder. Yeah. <laughs> it goes bovine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, call the fucking ambulance. That was my, so he, 
calls the ambulance and not they send not one but two crews of paramedics who were completely useless. They came in, they did take me <laughs> greeted by me, <laughs> bum in the air in the bathroom. Fanny opening up yeah. like, <laughs> like carried, a tomb. Half carried me into the living room where I was leant against the edge of the pool. They gave me some gas and they didn't show me how to use it. But then they all just stood behind me, oh, about Jesus. ten of them, talking. Oh. And I wanted to say, shut up. Yeah. Because I couldn't, but I couldn't, I was at that stage where I couldn't speak. You can't speak, yeah. yeah. And I was just, somebody tell them to shut up. And thank God the midwives got there before the baby was born. Yeah. Ushered. Put a stop to the sweepstake (laughs) that was going on for the wait. I'm pretty sure all I can remember is looking through my own legs because I was on all four and just seeing all of these boots. Oh, (laughs) God. Paramedic. It's like a horror film. And that was the, the rest of it was lovely. It was just that bit. Yeah. Um, so when it all happened quickly the second time, I, in fact, didn't call the paramedics at all. Mm. It was just me and my husband. Oh, wow. And you caught your own baby. I did. Which is not what people normally say. People normally say, your husband delivered the baby. Uh-huh. And oh, he had nothing to do with it. He was great. My husband's really brilliant. And uh, <coughs> it might be listening to this. So uh, it was very supportive and great. But he really had... Is the, he the father? Yeah. <laughs> He thinks he's the father. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, they both look exactly like him. Yes, yeah. he's definitely the father. <laughs> um, but everyone always says that. Oh, your husband? How was it? Was your husband terrified? And he I was just sitting there. He just had to yeah. sit there. Yeah. I was giving birth while giving him instructions, while sort of being my own doula. So I had to keep saying to him things like, "Just tell me it's all going to be okay." <laughs> Just tell me it's all going to be okay. <laughs> Just be kind. Be nice to me. Pat my back. Not like that. <laughs> Gentle. No harder. Up there. Oh. Yeah. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. I do feel, I do feel a bit for men because they just I remember because I we were living with my parents when I went into labour with my first baby and I came down like just in my dressing gown like and I was like there man I was like <sighs> I was like Colonel Kurtz <laughs> on the on the river and my, and my dad just looked at me and he just went um are you alright? <laughs> and I just went no I'm not <laughs> and got in the ambulance yeah it was good bless him so Rebecca tell us about your charity tell us about Birthrights so Birthrights is a charity that is nearly four years old and came about a little bit um, by accident I was working as a doula in East London I got a call from a human rights barrister saying she just managed to persuade a local NHS trust to pay for independent midwives for women in that area because they had arbitrarily suspended their home birth service. And I had a client who was affected. She was really, really frightened of giving birth and she decided she could have an elective caesarean or a home birth. And she'd chosen a home birth. And then two weeks before she was due to give birth, they'd withdrawn the service. Too late for her to have an elective caesarean. Mm. She was completely terrified and 
through um, this barrister's involvement, she had brilliant independent midwifery care and they reinstated the home birth service. Yeah! It was really, it was a, it was a win. So I ended up meeting up with her. Her name's Elizabeth Prohaska and she and I were living in Hackney. Kids were the same age. We only had one then. We were a lot less tired. Um, mm. And um, The hipsters oh, t- hadn't moved in with yeah. their cornflake shops. Yeah. Their tiny, tiny coffees. Yeah. Uh, very, very nice pizzas. <laughs> so what is the, what's the objective of the charity? So it's to improve women's experiences of pregnancy and birth by promoting respect and awareness of human rights. So it's there to improve birth for all women, but we are aware that vulnerable groups of women like migrant women, women with disabilities, women at the lowest end of the socioeconomic spectrum Mm. have far worse outcomes. So they die more in birth, their babies die more. Um, And they also face significant challenges getting access to suitable, Mm. or in fact, in the case of, of migrant women, sometimes any maternity care, which is often news to people in England who think that everybody gets... Well, I, was, I mean, that, that was to play devil's advocate. I think is there an argument that says, kind of, you know, God, there are people all over the world having birth in such terrible yeah. conditions. It feels a bit rich for us to go and sit here and complain that, you know, with our free healthcare and our midwives and our. Well, I think one of the interesting things for me has been working with other organisations who are trying to improve care in the developing world. So I went to Tanzania earlier this year to visit maternal health facilities in some of the most remote rural communities where really, I mean, it's it's, it's a really difficult situation for women there. They're having to walk sometimes eight to ten hours while they're in labour um, to get to somewhere where they might then be... Try- if they have an emergency, it's a ten-hour drive down a bumpy road. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not coming back from that drive, most of them. Um, so... Talking to the midwives and doctors and the campaigners there, one of the key objectives for them is to improve the respectful care, to make the care like culturally appropriate and safe for women because they will not go to those um, maternity centres if they don't feel safe there. So they have to make care respectful. And actually they're doing some really innovative things we could learn from here. So there's been several... This is, a, this is a real downer, but there's been... <laughs> just briefly, there have been some serious sort of tragedies here in England, some terrible failings at maternity units, and those have all, in the eventual investigations, they've noted that a lack of respect for patient dignity has sort of gone hand in hand with the failings at those units. Mm. So you can reduce it to being about a middle-class sort of experience, but I think that's... Um, that's actually, I think that's the patriarchy actually that's trying to do that. Yeah, to come on. <sighs> Look, it's always either the patriarchy or the Tories. I'm happy to put the blame at either one of their it's doors. It's usually both. Usually <laughs> hand in hand, hands in hand. They this are though, aren't they? Um, You're so... Ellie's new best friend, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it, I think it's easy to reduce it to that. But actually making care uh, accessible and safe for women in a way that's broader than just are they alive at the end of the day and are their babies alive actually makes it more likely that they and their babies will be alive at the end of the day and I went I met some women a couple of weeks ago who um undocumented migrant women who'd had their babies here and the hoops they'd had to jump through to get basic care here Mm. and the bills they were presented with for their care and the bailiffs they were then hounded by and of course, a lot of their friends then chose not to have any care 
when they were pregnant, even though they were the women at far greater risk of any complications. So if if you don't make care available and accessible mm. and women feel safe in it, it has an impact on on health and it and it creates a culture of staff who don't listen to women and if you don't listen to women then when they turn up and say oh you know what my baby hasn't been kicking as much then they don't Mm. action that um because they're not used to listening and believing women and that's something we hear a lot you know i said i told them but they didn't listen to me they just felt like they were the experts and of course midwives and doctors are the experts in midwifery and medicine but women are generally the experts on themselves um so it, it it's and one of, the, one of the great things about birthrights has been we've had super support from midwives and doctors because it's about providing the kind of care they want to give mm. that they like this is exactly what they want to be doing they just don't have time in the current system mm. our board is half midwives and doctors and an anesthetist um which i can't say but which I is think- handy for parties Anita's just, <laughs> just saying. Anyway, yeah, we haven't had a really big birthright sort of rager yet, but I'll, I'll make sure she comes. Along. Yeah, make sure she's there. So, so in an ideal world, if we're going to sort of wrap up, mm. what would you like to see? I mean, what what are your sort of aims? I guess professionally, you know, what would make you hang your boots up tomorrow? Going done yeah. birthrights. <laughs> I think if. There's a lot of really good stuff happening at a policy level at the moment. There's, a, We're supposed to be changing maternity services so that they wrap around women. And I'd like to see a world where that's not some line on a piece of paper, but it becomes the truth. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that that's for all women, not just women who've got loud voices and access to the internet. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying? Just say it to my face. Say it to my face. Don't encourage her, honestly. <laughs> all right, so I've got Wi-Fi. Judge me. Fucking judge me. Come on. No, I'm not going to judge you. It's I'm quite fast, actually, our broadband. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Now, come on, Rebecca. Let's pretend. Yeah, let's pretend. It's Dragon's Den. Okay. And you're like you, and Helen and I are like Bannatine and one of the other ones whose name is Meaden. Yeah. Bannatine and Meaden uh, controlling the NHS budget. Uh, I'm out. I can't <laughs> oh, no, 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 it's not for me. It's not for me. <laughs> It's right, ridiculous. Yeah. Now I'm being Peter Jones. Okay. Yeah. I'm Very so white. tall. I'm so tall. These yeah. shiny, shiny teeth. I'd like you to stop uh, wasting money on things that aren't needed and look like, at like the what? evidence. Like what, Rebecca? Like what? Um, well, sometimes um, it's suggested that lots more money is spent on technology, um, but there's a whole load of research about what saves money and makes women generally happier, which is having care from somebody that they know and choice and um everyone likes an app carry on (laughs) everyone does like an app but there are lots of maternity apps now (laughs) so um i'd like some kind of system that was based around the evidence and what midwives and doctors want to provide and what women want um, and what the evidence says which is all exactly the same thing and actually that does seem to be the way it's going Mm. Uh, that's what's being suggested at the moment it's just nobody's got any money mm. so actually maybe it, maybe we need a Dragon's Den scenario maybe we need Deborah Meaden and Peter Jones and all the other dragons who are presumably not on Dragon's Den anymore <laughs> yeah, like I don't even know three guys from the corner shop uh-huh. <laughs> um, we could get some money from them yeah. and plough it into the NHS alright I'll give you £8 for 78% of your business done 
<laughs> That's Dragon's Den. All right, excellent. excellent. I can't believe we've Dragon's Den uh, an expert in human rights in childbirth. That's lovely. Well, um, you know, now that we've had a very serious, important, interesting conversation about childbirth and knife and death and, you know, politics, let's do Scummy Mummy Confessions! Yes. Come on! Okay, can I start off? Please do, my love. Okay, so I was, I, was, I was in Paris. I was in Paris on the weekend for my birthday and my daughter's birthday and we were out for a very nice dinner. My daughter is eight, my son is five, um, and it, we were in a sort of quiet restaurant. Everything's going lovely, and then she turns to her brother and says, "I'm going to teach him how to French kiss." Oh my god! And then <clears throat> Will and I are like, "No, no, 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 no!" And she's like leaning in, and we're like, "No, no, no, no!" She's like, "No, I'm going to teach him how to French kiss," <laughs> and then she just like gently kisses either side of his cheek, oh. and we're like going. <laughs> I was going to say, how does she know how to French kiss? Oh my god! I know she said, but the the French they just kiss on either cheek. Yeah, and like yeah. Going, <laughs> oh, god! That was so embarrassing. Oh. My confession is also topical. It, was, it happened to me today, just a few hours ago, and it's sort of a yeah. Last night I cooked like tomatoes and sausages. Opened the fridge, and it all just fell out. The Pyrex dish, the bowl, the sausages, tomatoes, all over the floor. And like I scraped up all the pottery and the Pyrex and put it in the bin. And I'm not going to lie to you, ladies. I picked out the sausages and I washed off the broken glass. <laughs> <laughs> because at the end of the day, a sausage is a sausage, man. And they're, you know, they're quite annoying to cook, I feel like. And I was really hungry. But just for you, right? I, I, I would not give them to the children. Might have chucked a couple on the hubby's plate. <laughs> But I rinsed them really thoroughly. I ri- would you have done that? Yeah, I would have done that. Helen? Yeah, I've given my husband Come on, the come on. You've given him actual broken glass, but he yeah. had been a real shit that day. Yeah. So, uh, yes, Rebecca, do you have a scummy mummy confession for us? My son has just turned three, and he is just drawn today his first really recognisable human. And I did look at it and think... A bit weird. The hair was standing up on end. The eyes are very big. And it wasn't smiling. The the mouth was going down. Mm-hmm. Which I think is, it feels to me kind of unusual mm. for a child's picture. Yeah. He sent me the picture. And then a few minutes later, he sent me the caption for the picture. Which was that Arthur had spent some time drawing someone that he knows very well. Cross mummy. <laughs> his picture, his first charming picture was of me really mad my hair standing on end my eyes wide my face in this my beautiful three-year-old son that's what he's taken away from our relationship were you waving a little um, placard saying birthright birthright (laughs) no i think i was just shouting down with the patriarchy (laughs) you and your kind i thought it was just i was shouting him to put his shoes in the proper place yeah Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, 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 thank you so much for sharing your confession with us, Rebecca, and, and your amazing book, which is called Why Human Rights in Childbirth Matter, and it's out now, isn't it? You can buy it on Amazon, you can from Pinter and Martin, who publish it oh. um, directly, and they will send it to you, and then you can feel good about yourself. And at the back of it, it has got a whole load of guides to your rights when you're pregnant. So if you want to know what your rights are, your basic legal rights when you're pregnant you can read the section at the back and find out thank you very much for listening do follow us on the facebook the instagram the twitter at scummy mummies and give us a review on itunes i think we've got 99 reviews to date oh. so crack a, crack us a hundred please <laughs> yes that would be great on the itunes <laughs> and come and see us live just go to the scummy website for live show details 
And what's Birthrights website address? So birthrights is birthrights.org.uk. Yes, fantastic. We, we are a charity. So if you're thinking you've got spare money mm-hmm. that you just don't want to roll around in anymore. This is it. Because yeah. that becomes, it chafes all the sort of yeah, pound notes. Yeah. You could give it to us and then we could use it to help a vulnerable woman not be um, overcharged for her maternity care. Well, maybe, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll go back to toilet paper and you can have those £50 notes. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Rebecca Schiller. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Helen Thorne. Thank you, Ellie Gibson. Hey, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>